everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Pure Hustle Podcast. Yes, thank you so much. We do have a request though before we get started. If you have found our content to be entertaining or helpful, would you consider leaving us a review on iTunes? Those five-star reviews really help to make sure that our content gets out there and that our show continues to grow. Enjoy the show. Welcome to PSL Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Orlando and we're on episode 329. Yeah. An update episode. An update episode. And uh, and we're back to the present. We, uh, we're not talking about the uh, the future in the same <laughs> no way. No chat GPT. No chat GPT this that time. That was a fun episode. If you haven't caught it, jump back to episode 328. And we keep, Mike and I, well, my, more Mike, he's finding more things to do with chat GPT yeah. to help in reselling. That, I mean, that's that's really what it comes down to. I mean, I guess I wasn't going to make this an episode about chat GPT, but, um, you know, one thing. <laughs> I know. One here thing, we are. How this connects. But it's an update episode. Yeah, how it connects, I guess, with reselling. And, and I just think in general is, what sets us apart as as resellers and hustlers uh, is the fact that, and not all of us. Um, I mean, entre- I think it's more of an entrepreneurial thing, and not everybody who is a listener here is goes completely down that path. But I think there is something about being somebody who wants to work for yourself, who wants to uh, be successful, develop a like durable, kind of anti fragile household with your income. All of those things. Now, it takes a certain kind of person who's willing to think outside the box, willing to do things that other people aren't willing to do. And like Orlando and I were were chatting throughout the week and I was sending him a couple of things like ways of utilizing chat GPT for making money specifically with reselling like on eBay. Um, and I've, I've actually, I'm sure other people have thought about this, like even with the art stuff, the digital art mm-hmm. is, I mean, if you're really good at making the prompts and if you're creative and you know some of the terms, you could easily make digital art and sell it at booths, huh. sell it on Etsy, sell it on eBay. That's why artists can't stand that. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they can't, they, they're upset, but it's its own type of thing. But again, it, it takes people to think outside the box. I mean, somebody had to think outside the box to, to say, hey, what if we, you know, take uh, this random pixelated picture of a monkey and sell it for millions of dollars, right? Like it's people think outside of the box for oh, stuff. And are those called NFTs? Yeah, NFTs. Uh, Remember so, when those were worth money? <laughs> I mean, some of them still maybe. We almost made our own too. Yeah, we did make a couple. Um. <laughs> I don't think we sold any though. We just kind of made them because it was something fun. They're to just do. cool. Uh, but uh, what sets us apart, going back full circle to what I started with, is are we willing to think outside of the box and innovate? Because I I sent Orlando a couple of stuff. I was like, hey, like, what if you could do this and we could do this and like this is a way you can make it do this for you on eBay and and he's like, oh man, like I wonder how many people are going to start doing this. And my thought was. And and what I told him was like, what I think sets us apart is at some point, the gurus, the the influencers are going to be on social media and they're going to say, you can use chat GPT to do this, 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 and this is a way to make more money on. And then everybody's going to jump on the bandwagon. Mm -hmm. But the reality is by the time they get to that point where everyone's jumping on the bandwagon, there's already something else that those influencers have found even more profitable. And that thing that they're giving away has kind of lost its luster. Well, it's it's funny you bring that up. So I just want to touch on two things and then we'll get on with the update episode. So it's interesting because whenever there's a new technology, individuals tend to believe that technology is going to save them time, which most of the time it does. It's debatable, but it can. Yeah. It, it can. But then you, it's like the shiny new toy mm-hmm. and you think that it's going to change everything. Right. So I'm going to be a little I'm going to play devil's advocate here. So, for example, I've been seeing lately a lot of TikTok posts from uh, resellers and I'm not throwing shade at anybody, but they're like, oh, it's so great. Chat GPT, I could have it write a description for me 
uh, for my eBay listings. And, you know, they so they put in the item and then Chad GPT writes a paragraph long description. And I'm like, uh, yeah, that would have been cool maybe 20 years ago. Right. So the amount of time, because the, the reason I say 20 years ago is that that's not how eBay functions anymore. On eBay, in your descriptions, it needs to be one or two lines and that's it. Like it does not have to go in depth. No one wants to know the history of an item. No, no one wants to know where you got the item. Like back in the day in the early 2000s, late 90s on eBay, it would be these long stories about I went to the States you know, and there was this World War II veteran and they had this uniform and they use this in the battle of whatever and blah, blah, blah. Like no, no one's looking at that anymore. The people that want to buy know what they're looking for. And if they wanted the background data, they could just look it up on Google. Right. And so, you know, I've seen some people spending this time with ChatGBT and you've got to finish that listing in about a minute or two flat. But instead, now you're going to spend another five, 10 minutes, you know, copy pasting, breaking down that information. And it's not going to help your eBay sales. Yeah, I think that's where it's like the people have to think outside the spot of your box. If you're only thinking in like the surface level stuff. It's yeah, it's almost like a novelty that really probably won't stick around and help mm -hmm. you. Uh, but I'm sure you've heard thought um, like processes or, or, or thought games where people will say, like, if, if you were to take all the money in the world and put it in a pool and then distribute it evenly to everybody within like 10 years, all the people who are currently rich, not all, but but a, a vast majority of the people who are currently rich will probably be rich again. And a, a, a good majority <laughs> of people who are currently poor will be poor again. And it's because the people who are rich know how to handle money. Like they know what to do with money. They know how to leverage their circumstances and people who don't have a lot of money have never had the opportunity or the, the, whatever the experience. it is experience to learn what to do with it. It's instead of they've only learned consumerism. And I kind of think about that with something like this, like there are going to be people who only do surface level stuff with this and it may not change or do anything and help, but can this be the thing where I find something that's creative enough? That I can profit on. Yeah, I, I agree. I and think whether it's, it's valid. And whether it's this or something else, like that's one of the things I just want like our listeners to be thinking about. Like as new things come out, whether it's a new platform, whether it's a new like tool, whether it's a new whatever it is, are you going to basically be like the herd and 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 be able to maybe make some money and be, or are you going to be like an innovator and figure out a way, like, is this my opportunity? Is this my chance to like really change the game? And now I'm in a position where I was able to capitalize completely on this as opposed to just, you know, waiting. Cause I mean, how many times you, it's like a few years after an invention comes out, you're like, man, oh, I've used to think about that kind of stuff all the time. Why didn't I think about turning that into a, like, so anyways, maybe this is it, maybe this, and if not this, something else as a reseller that you can say, this is my niche. Like nobody's thought about selling or making or doing this the way I'm doing it. And here I am. See, but I, so here's the other side. It kind of related to ChatGP. So it's interesting how things have changed uh, in the Amazon FBA world. So even three years ago, there was a lot of what the youngsters call gatekeeping. Or, you know, if you truly were selling on Amazon, you weren't going to sell where you got wholesale from. You weren't going to sell. You weren't going to. Not sell. You want you would sell it. <laughs> the people that sell course of it, but you wouldn't share it. You wouldn't share how to get engaged in certain categories. You you wouldn't definitely share what you're selling. And what I'm seeing now in social media, especially in TikTok, is I see a lot of people. They're freely open with all the information, and I think it's because 
they're not in the business of making money on F- Amazon FBA anymore. They're making money in the business of selling information about how to sell an FBA. And so I've seen, you know, now everybody knows how to get ungated. You don't even have to join a Discord. And and so all this information is out there, you know, how to get ungated, uh, how to buy from a wholesaler, where to go to wholesale, you know, how to do Amazon FBA, what to sell. And the interesting thing is, is that there's always a new crowd that has no idea what you're talking about. So you can always sell them. So, well, for example, one video was like, hey, we bought these things for $30 and we're going to flip them on eBay for $55. Okay. So if you do the math, you're not making a lot of money, especially if you're doing free shipping and then it gets competitive, you're going to end up in the negative. So how do I relate to chat GPT? I think chat GPT is going to lead to an explosion of Amazon courses and eBay courses that are not written by humans that actually resell. Mm. How much would it take for us to say, create a one-page course on how to take pictures on eBay, create a one-page course on how to source for Amazon, create a one-page course on how to use Keepup. And I'm telling you, there's going to be an explosion of this. So to me, that is the downside. I do believe the the resellers that are going to continue reselling and make reselling profitable are going to be the ones that figure it out, not the ones that pay for those courses. And this is why I love our Discord, because our Discord is a community of resellers sharing what they know and sharing their knowledge. We're not selling a course. We're not doing any of that. And I've seen some of these Discords. They're charging like 100 bucks for, for a month so they can learn how to be ungated and do all this. And it's like, no, all they're doing is they got ChatGPT to write these up and they're just they're just profiting not on what they're selling. They're profiting on your lack of knowledge or inability or desire to gain that knowledge. Yeah. So that's just my two cents. Yeah, that's good. Um, luckily, I think, uh, you know, our listener base is based off all the interactions I've had with with the vast majority of them. You guys are smart. You're uh, you're hardworking. And I, I don't think most of you guys kind of fall into those traps. And uh, and and if you do, I mean, you learn from that. I mean, I've I've definitely known people and you know my dad's definitely one of them who who've gotten suckered into like the too good to be true deals until you know it's like yeah it was too good to be true because it wasn't true you know and and you've got to kind of walk them through the the mourning process of oh i you know wasted my money on this and it didn't actually work or help me and some of them do help and work uh, but you know again thank you for all of you who listen uh so man how how things been reselling wise for you? here yeah. segue uh you know things have been good uh, things have gotten back to normal and even better than normal. I would say I'm probably doing better now than I was in Q4, which is expected. We've talked about how January is great for the secondary market, but it did get scary. There was a, there's for in- instance, a week where I was listing every single day and the sales were just not coming through. Mm. And so I'm glad things have rebounded. Now I have had some big sales. I sold a AC unit. I sold uh if you caught us on Instagram, uh, I had, uh, that like British, like Queen Elizabeth might have worn uh, for like 300 bucks and I paid five bucks. And I sold, uh, what else did I sell? I sold a couple other items that, that were big profit. And so, you know, like a Pachenko machine. I sold that Pachenko machine. Oh, you sold here. it? I sold it. Nice. Yeah. Did you, you sold it on eBay, I'm assuming? Yeah, I, I did. How I, was it to ship? Pretty bad. It was a beast. Yeah. Beast. Because you know what I did with uh, my Pachenko machine? What'd you do? Trash can. <laughs> 
<laughs> Didn't you have that on a YouTube video too? Yeah. Oh my god. I spent some time restoring it and I'm working on it. And I was like, yeah, I'm, by the time I'm done restoring this thing, I'm going to be able to make like $50. And I'm like, this oh, thing oh, takes up so much space and it's going to be like 12 more hours of, okay, trash can. So I Sometimes sold, you got to do that. So it sold for two twenty five plus shipping. So it was worth my time. I just remember as I was packing this, because with a Pachenko machine, you have to bubble wrap it. Then you have to put cardboard, especially where over the glasses and where the mechanisms are. And then after that, you have to, I usually put that cellophane stuff around it uh-huh. to make sure everything's intact. And then luckily I already had the Pachenko box. So I just put it in the box and but it was just it was just a pain. It was it weighed 40 pounds. It was awkward. And uh, I was glad that it sold. I was glad to get rid of it. Uh, but I've always said I'd rather sell a $200 pair of shoes or cowboy boots or a shirt than than that. But the, the reason that I sold it was because, uh, you know, I, it was one of the things I sourced from that uh, the friends of the family earlier this summer that was basically free. And so I'm like, I, I'm not going to turn this down, you know? So, yeah, that was a beast. So there was that. I had a, I had a nice uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles haul. If you guys caught us on uh, on Instagram, uh, you know, local deal. I was kind of shocked. It was $50 and they had stuff original in boxes. Now, TM, TMNT, the reason I was able to find this Ninja Turtles and no one else caught it is they misspelled it. Oh, yeah. So it was TNMT. Did you go, did you go Fat Fingers? No, 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 no. It was, it was a local deal. So they, they posted as TNMT. And I think that's why whoever had it as a safe search didn't pick it up. Now, what was interesting, I don't know if I shared, did I share this that somebody was trying to buy it from, for the, from them from North Carolina. I was trying to get it shipped from San Diego to North Carolina. Huh. And, but the person was a new, uh, you know, hadn't really sold on eBay, wasn't comfortable shipping. And again, that's that's the advantage. So whenever you're you're saying to yourself, like Orlando or or even you, when you make a, a deal and you get a really good deal, like why did this person sell this to me at such a great price, knowing that I'm going to profit on this? And the reason being is, you as an eBay seller who has been selling for years, or maybe if you're new but you have a great track record, you're top rated, you're going to be able to get more money for that item you're going to save yourself a ton of time compared to this new person that, you know, they're going to sell something and then be like, Oh, how do I ship this? I remember him saying like, I don't want to deal with the shipping. It's such a pain, but for me, shipping, no big deal, right? It's shipping. You know, I've shipped so many items. I do not stress shipping anything. The only, my only like a uh, level of, of like, I don't want to go there is when I get into pallets, mm. when I get into larger items, uh, like there's this, this great reseller flea market uh, flipper who they, they they do stuff like that all the time. And just that's not my thing. Like I, 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 I have no experience in construction. I, I don't know how to build those things. So the advantage, the reason you're able to get that extra 100, 200, sometimes three to 500 percent on an item compared to that person. That person has that field of local deals and it's only the city. And within that city, it's only the people that might be interested where when you take that item and you put it on eBay in front of 150 million buyers worldwide, obviously your potential profit is going to go up. That's why I also encourage a lot of you that you're going, Hey, I just, I feel more comfortable doing local deals. Expand, expand, even if you don't like the shipping. Cause I'm pretty sure Mike on that pajinko machine, you probably could have gotten four times. Well, you would have gotten more than the trash can, but yeah. it's possible you would have gotten four times that amount. 
No, I mean, I was looking at, uh, I was looking at eBay comps. That's what I was basically at that time. At that time. Yeah. Um, but, but even still, I, I do think there's a, a place for, for the local for sure. I think, yeah, there, there are certain like high end stuff, um, that it's worth the ship of something big. Uh, but a lot of things that are, are small local stuff, like I, like I've said, I've sold strollers locally. I've sold car seats locally. I've done lots of, uh, like some furniture pieces, things like that, where, Hey, I pick something up. I'm able to pick it up for, for 25 bucks. It sells for a hundred, 125 local. And if you were to buy it on eBay, that they go for about a hundred, hundred twenty-five dollars, mm-hmm. and it's just by the time then you're dealing with shipping and fees, and so yeah, if it's like a unique, very high-end thing, for sure, I would definitely say like if I found like a rare piece of furniture or a rare, um, you know, something like that, definitely I'm going, I'm going eBay. But a lot, I mean, I, I do think there's a place for local. I think a lot of people do really well locally, especially depending on the market. I mean, that's why that's the reason why things like antique booths and flea market type things like that, the, that sell furnitures and stuff do really well mm-hmm. is because they can turn a really good profit, even with the overhead of a brick and mortar, as opposed to if they were trying to sell some of these things. And I, part of me is becoming more and more interested in larger items, um, especially maybe once I moved to to Texas and have a little yeah, bit more room. space. Yeah. Uh, but there, there seems to be, you know, a pretty good amount of money in things like furniture and things that if it's to me, it's, it goes back to that idea of if you're, if you're buying lots of little things, even if they're pretty profitable, but then you've got to take the pictures, do the descriptions, list, store, ship, all of the stuff that's involved with each individual listing, which don't get me wrong. If it's things like your hot wheels, I mean, fantastic. Mm -hmm. I love it. I do those things all the time, but there's something to be said of, Hey, I go one day for a 30 minute drive and I pick up, you know, a, a couple of like mid-century modern chairs for $50 a piece. And then I sell them for 250 locally. Mm-hmm. And it's like one transaction, one transaction, I make a thousand bucks or I make $600 in, you know, one trip out and then meeting somebody one time. Like there's, there's something to be said as opposed to, yeah, I can make $600, $700, on several eBay listings over time as well. But it's just, I don't know. So I think there is something to be said for local. Um, let us know below, like in the comments, are you, are you, do you do a lot of local? Have you had success in the furniture market? I'm not super experienced in the furniture market. I've only done a little bit there. Uh, so I don't want to like jump in if people are like, Hey, this is not the time. Don't do it. But it, it might be, I figure with prices going up, it might, it might be the, uh, the time. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I mean, I have more to add. I had, I had a call with eBay ads about improving my store and stuff. And so I'll share that as part of our reseller topics. There's a lot of good info that they shared or, or good reminders. But outside of that, garage sales have been terrible. Yeah. The rain, the rain. I have literally my lawn. I, did you see my backyard? Mm -mm. I I probably have a foot in grass that I need to take care of. And it's, it's huge. So I'm not doing it. (laughs) And it's, it's just, it's labor intensive. So uh, the rain has been is definitely put a damper on on sourcing for sure, and it's been interesting. Like there hasn't been much. Yeah, I mean, part, I mean, again, part of it is because the rain. There, there's not going to be as many garage sales. I mean, estate sales are still possible. I think what makes uh, estate sales during a time like this in San Diego, where and this is in California, yeah, but obviously, yeah, where there's a ton of rain is it's worth going to estate sales when there's also like seven or eight garage sales nearby and you're kind of like mm-hmm. doing the whole thing. But if you've got to drive quite a ways to get to one estate sale and everybody's going there and everyone's it's just, yeah, not I agree. I see what you're saying. So uh, that's pretty much it for me. Yeah. So sourcing. So I've, I've actually played around a little bit recently at some, some thrift stores, just seeing like, you know, mm. okay, how are prices? I'm not like a lot of time in them. 
and there's still a, a little bit of money that can be made. And one of the things that I'm I'm trying to to think a little bit differently about with these thrift stores, because there are some that it's like, okay, they're just not being realistic um, or the kind of mentality they have for resellers. But I was just thinking like the, the, the amount specifically in California, um, living here is getting so much more expensive for me. And I know it's getting more expensive for business owners too, like uh, SDG&E and like gas for this area in San Diego, literally doubled and almost completely doubled energy prices for people overnight. The, uh, it's been rough. The, I've been, I've been like using blankets. Yeah. The, the minimum. <laughs> and I know somebody did. Did you, did you catch that comment that one time? Huh. Like if you guys are about being frugal, I'm out. Like you guys need to make more money. That's cool, man. I mean, go find. I think, I think it was a joke, yeah. but maybe it wasn't. But yeah, yeah but go, I, go find your go find your baller riding in his uh, in his Ferrari, talking about how he you know throws cash out the window because you don't care. But uh, that's your guy, not us. Um, anyways, but yeah, I mean, you've got to be wise. You want to cut your overhead anywhere you can. You want to be smart. But these businesses, when their energy prices are are doubling, when the their you know their the rent what they're paying for their spot is increasing, and minimum wage has gone up, which you know, no matter what side of the fence you fall on that of other, the way that that impacts people, you've got to realize that makes it harder for a business. If, if you went from, you know, a couple of years ago, you were paying your employees $11, $12 an hour. Now you're paying them $16.30 an hour. The prices on items have to go up. So I don't think it's all just malicious of like, hey, we're going to raise our prices. You know, these places, they've got to make the money. And the only way they can make the money is by raising prices. And so as a reseller going in, it's just kind of that more clear sign of this, this just might not be feasible in our area, right? Like this, that oh, doing completely. the, doing the reselling, um, you know, I still find random things here and there, a pair of shoes, a, a certain shirt or something like that, that, that they kind of miss. But again, it's, Hey, I can make $30 on this one item, but if I'm spending an hour in a thrift store to find two or three items mm, like that, not worth it. it's not worth it. Once you consider also the amount of time, cause yeah, it sounds great of, Hey, I found three items that sell for $25 piece, $75 in an hour. But then you also drove there. So there's that expense and time. And then also you've got to take the pictures and list. And then you also got to do your descriptions and all of that measurements. And then you've got to pack that stuff. And then when it sells, you got to ship it. That $75 in an hour quickly goes down to like $15, $20 an hour mm -hmm. when it's all said and done. And so you got to think about the whole process there. Um, and yeah, so that, that I haven't had a ton of success at, at thrift stores, but haven't been able to go to garage sales because of the rain. I'm hoping to get back to some garage sales. Hopefully we have some weekends here coming up with uh, less rain. And also my third child is going to be here anytime now. We are almost that 37 week. I think we're at like 36, 37 week. So essentially full term, like he can be here now. Yeah, like... In fact, we probably need to have an off-air discussion about like uh, pre-recording a emergency episode in case uh, yeah I'm in the hospital of like uh, this is our Mike had a baby episode yeah yeah so uh, we might be doing that um, but so all that being said I'm trying to remember how we handled it last time last time I think we were induced um, and we knew a couple of days ahead but we didn't know we were going to be induced. So as a reseller, it's kind of a weird thing because when you know you're going to go on a vacation, you can kind of adjust how you're listing, how you're like things are selling. Are you going to put items on sale? But when it's something like a baby, it's one thing is, you know, anything can happen. Like any emergency can happen in your life. You can't plan for. But like I know within the next couple of weeks, there's going to be like a week where I'm probably not going to be able to ship stuff very easily and at least a couple of days. And so the worst case scenario is I decide, hey, I want to like really throw some items on sales in my store. Hey, look, I got seven, seven items sold and oh, uh, we're going to the hospital right now. Like that'll be an awkward, 
you know, message to my buyers like, Hey, this item's going to be like two days late, you know, because, uh, my wife is having a baby right now. So, uh, I'm just thinking like, I don't want to put my store on vacation mode because three weeks is a long time to just be like iffy. Uh, but just kind of being wise of like, okay, don't, don't go too hard on sales right now. Uh, try not to, uh, really get the engine going, try and make it manageable. So worst case scenario, it's only one or two items. Uh, cause then, <laughs> It might feel less bad of like, hey, hey, Orlando, uh, would you mind pulling this item and shipping it for hey. me? If it's one item, but if it's like seven, if I'm not going to do that be, to you. If need be, I know what to do. But uh, yeah, and then overall, I had some success, had some good finds uh, on on OfferUp recently. Um, maybe I'll talk about those another time. I feel like I've already been talking quite a bit for this update. This is going to be a longer episode. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm well, just letting let's, you know. let's move it on. Let's not go too long. <laughs> hey, but but real quick, <laughs> you know, it's gonna be a longer episode. Uh, hey, American Bubble Boy, if you have not bought American Bubble Boy bubble wrap, you definitely should. It is the cheapest, the fastest shipping, and I I would say the, the top quality out there. And it, you know, I this is something I buy all the time. I'm about to end my another roll, and so it's gonna be so I need to purchase it. I I am actually out in the country in San Diego, but I'm able to get next day shipping. So if you haven't had uh, the opportunity to yet purchase from American Bowl Boy, go to the link below, and in that link it helps us out, and then it helps you out because you get your product faster, you get great product at a great price, and uh, you know somewhere that you're gonna always know, hey. I can go to this company and I can get myself pretty quick and it's quality stuff. So check them out. AmericanBoyBoy.com in the link below. Yeah. All right. So random stories. So do you, do you want to share yours first? Um, sure. <laughs> yeah. So a um, couple of things um, kind of going along with what I said earlier about considering some bigger items. Um, I've bought two trailers that I've used for reselling and, and potentially for this big move I've got coming up. Uh, the first one I bought, I got a pretty good deal on it. It was pretty awesome. Talked about it in episodes or something earlier. Uh, and then a second one I bought <clears throat> off of a friend who knew I was planning on moving, but also knew I was a reseller and I would be using it for that. And I got a crazy good deal on that trailer as well. And one of the things is when you're buying trailers, I'm sure it's the same with things like cars. Um, I mean, I, I know it's the same with things like cars. But there's this weird thing that kind of I've noticed in that community. Um, so I have a friend of mine who sells a lot of pit bikes on like OfferUp, uh, those kinds of things, Facebook Marketplace. And I asked him because he finds like crazy good deals. He doesn't live in, in my city. He lives somewhere where people do a lot of dirt biking. And pit bikes are like little tiny uh, motorcycles that are like 125 cc's, but they're like they look like they're for a kid. Okay. So they're like big enough that like I could go like 40, 50 miles an hour in the desert, but it's like a little tiny bike. So people are into them. They're pretty fun. Uh, and he often is able to to snag them for like 400 bucks and then he sells them for like anywhere from 15 to $2,000. So he's able to turn pretty good profits. But he on knows these. how to like fix them and touch sometimes them they need that. some fit. Yeah. So, but yeah. usually they don't need a lot. A lot of times he just like, he's just constantly browsing and he finds good deals and he waits until like, cause if it's summertime, people aren't riding in the wintertime they are. So he buys them in the summer and flips them and sells them in the winter. Um, and anyways, one of the things I noticed is like, he does a lot of these sales and they don't have their like pink slips. And I'm like, okay, well maybe that doesn't matter or they're not registered. Maybe it doesn't matter if you don't have the paperwork, if it's just like an off-road thing, people don't really care. Uh, but if it's an on-road thing, people are definitely going to want like paperwork matters a little bit more. Mm. But then as I've looked at various things, like even stuff like trailers and um, camping trailers, pop-up tent trailers, uh, different things like that. Cause I, there's definitely money that can be made. A lot of times these people are not selling them with all the paperwork. It's like, bill of sale only 
Um, and this is maybe a place for me to say like, Hey, if you, if you got information on this, let me know. Maybe it's state dependent too. We could run like an underground black market. No, no. I mean, I'm, I'm not <laughs> wanting to do that, but when I bought my last trailer for my friend, he basically sold it as like, he had the, the registration, but he hadn't even put it in his name yet. He's like, yeah, the guy I bought it from, um, here's all like, it's basically still from him. So as long as you, you know, get it to the DMV in the next, you know, however many days it is, um, and just register it in your name, you'll, you'll basically just make it seem like you bought it from him. Like the paperwork, it will be like that. Like it, it, he acted as a middleman and he never actually got the trailer registered in his name. So when we registered the trailer, it was like, you know, you pay quite a bit of money to get it registered, get the title, all of that. Um, but I was thinking like, it seems like when I was driving here today, there's a guy I noticed out in front of his house every couple of weeks, he's got a different travel trailer, like a camping trailer in front of his house and they're for sale opened up. I've seen people sometimes walking in them and it's always a different one. Like sometimes the same one will be there for like two or three weeks and then it's a different one. So I'm like, this guy is flipping trailers. Like they sell for like nine, anywhere from like, he lists them anywhere from like four to like $10,000, depending on what type of trailer it is. And I, sometimes I drive by, I'm like, Oh, that's a pretty cool, like camping trailer. So this guy somehow is, snagging these at a at a cheaper price are you seeing this on the street yeah he sells them on the street i know what you're talking on, about. on washington yeah yeah every single time i, yeah. I thought the same thing so my thought is is are there's no way he's spending the time going to the dmv i think he's renting the space that's what i think he's it could doing. be but even still like somebody is is able because these aren't like it's not like he's got a lot like this isn't like new trailers these are old janky beat up but it's trailers. always a new one every it's week always new so i'm wondering like can do people sell things like dirt bikes, um, stuff like that, boat type things, trailers. And let me know in the comments because I'd want to learn more about this, but without getting it registered. Because once you start dealing with now, I've got to go to the DMV and I've got to get it registered. and I've got to get the title put in my name. By the time you pay all the fees on that, it's eating into way too much of your profit and it's taking too much time. So I'm like, these, these have to be selling with just a bill of sale only or they've got the registration, but they're not transferring it into their name. And they're kind of just acting as a middle name, middleman into the next person. So like wholesaling, not wholesaling exactly because they're, 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 they're just not doing the paperwork. It's like, if I sold something to you yeah. and then you sold it to somebody else, but it was as if I sold it to the other person because mm -hmm. you never did any of the paperwork. So you didn't have to pay the fees. You didn't pay the taxes. Yeah, you didn't so pay people the do that with houses. Like if you ever see those boards on like on the street, it's like, buying houses you know buying houses full cash calls this number mm -hmm. that's what wholesaling is so what they do is they find the house that's on the market and then they find a buyer and they upcharge the buyer five to ten percent and then they 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 end up being the middleman they're just that would just be like brokering a sale though yeah. Yeah, but it's kind of the same idea, though. I know it's a little different because you're you're taking on the risk when you actually, if I buy a trailer for let's say five thousand dollars and I'm planning on selling yeah, it, yeah, true, eight, true, 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 true. And I'm th I'm hoping I'm just not going to register this because at a certain point, if you don't register, like you're limiting the number of buyers you can get. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, let let me know below. Maybe maybe this is state dependent. Uh, but have you, if you've sold bigger things like whether it's cars, because you see all the time if you're on offer up on those things, a lot of times it's like. Uh, no paperwork or no registration. Are you looking at, is this something you want to do? I'm considering because like, again, one of those things, if I could, if I could flip one trailer or something like that a month, I'm just using that as an example because mm -hmm. I have two of them mm -hmm. and I, I could easily make anywhere from $1,500 to $2,000 per trailer yeah. a month right yeah. now profit based off what I bought them for. So if, if I could do anywhere from one to $3,000 a month on average in just trailer costs. And it's literally one transaction. I buy it from somebody. And every, and every, somebody. every Pierce the podcast episode would be like, what trailer did you sell this week? Yeah. 
people were already like, this, you guys became the fifth world uh, episode or the, the fifth world podcast. But it, it, it might be something worth doing. I mean, I'd have to learn a little bit more about the whole process, but I just am curious. I guess I could have done a little bit more research, but I'm sure some of our listeners have some, some but, information on can, what is it like selling things like that with just a bill of sale? Is that doable? Do people care? Um, does that limit your buyers? Because uh, it's like it's like when you sell something, if you didn't have a, a certificate of authenticity, like, hey, I've got this art piece, no certificate of authenticity. Like, there's going to be some buyers who are like, I don't care. Like, I know it's probably real. Yeah, I hey, know how to know it's real. Agreed. And yeah. other people are like, nope, I refuse if it doesn't have. So <gasps> it just be would be interesting to, if, if people have some uh, experience with that. Yeah. Well, and it's all good. I mean, this is the beauty of reselling is that it opens your mind to other business Right. I mean, or entrepreneurship, whatever it is. I mean, it's still resale, man. I want to flip. I want to flip some trailers. I mean, I had goals. I had goals at the end of 2022 to buy two vehicles and do two row. Mm. But then the used car market skyrocketed. And I'm like, yeah, that's not going to happen anytime soon. And on my property, could I rent space possibly uh, to have people store? I could. I mean, I remember one house uh, that I almost moved into when I was looking for a place. And the guy literally cut his backyard by three quarters mm. and the three quarters of his backyard. He was just storing trailers and boats and everything for people yep. and just charging them. Charging so, 50 bucks a but month then I and think he got about 10 of them back like, there. You got to, you know, build up your security and, and beef up the cameras and your second amendment. Like it's, <laughs> it, there's a lot of expense. So with everything, there's a learning curve, right? There's a learning curve. You got to figure things out. So I don't know, hopefully, you know, you, you get some feedback and, yeah. Maybe maybe be, I need to go talk to the trailer guy. It, yeah, it's an it's interesting, folks. A little there. sketch. It is. It is. It is. It is. It's so funny that you and I both know exactly what we're talking about because right? I see that thing all the time, and I'm like, I wonder but, how much but, money he's making. Yeah, I was gonna say, but have you thought like, hey, this is a reselling opportunity? I th- well, he's it's prime. The, the the issue with those kind of things though is that he's on a street that cars are passing all the time. Yeah, but how much of I, I feel like most of that most of those sales are coming from things like offer up Craigslist. Yeah, yeah, it's not like somebody's getting. Well, I don't know. Hey, who knows? Who Some knows? people will stop. But. All right, so this was an interesting. Uh, I, I'll share two things. Uh, let me share my uh, my first one, and then we'll say on the. So I don't know if you guys caught, but on what night I scheduled an auction. And then I canceled it. And it's because I had a, a revelation. I had a spiritual revelation that not a Jesus moment. But what happened was I'm like, wait, I can do a whatnot and I could spend an hour. And the only benefit of that hour would be all the cool people that would jump on the live. All you guys that would be on there. Like that is, that would be the best part of it. The other part of it, having a, you know, the whole time trying to sell everything. And then after it sells, having to pack everything and the, the packing for one night is the worst part to me. It is, it is, Oh, it's just painful because you know, a lot of the items you sell, like unless you're getting people that are bidding high on certain items, you're making less money on whatnot, unless you sell in volume. And so the last two, three weeks I've been running auctions on eBay. So, for example, I had a few briar horses that I, they didn't have the briar stamp and I didn't know if they were briar, but I'm, I thought, and I did everything. I spent my, I did my research and I'm like, I'm just going to throw an auction at, you know, $4.99 a piece and I already made profit on these. And, and sure enough, you know, three of them sold for like seven bucks, you know, whatever. And it wasn't a big money maker, but it's kind of what would have happened with whatnot. Had I gone on whatnot, people would have paid five, seven dollars. 
Right. And then I ran another auction. I had these vintage plush that uh, haven't moved in like two years. I'm like, I'm just going to run on eBay. Sure enough, sells on eBay. So I'm like, okay, so I can passively run auctions on eBay, which has a ton more buyers going to it. Or I can go out whatnot. And the the gamble with whatnot is do you have the right people that want to buy the items that you're selling? Yeah, I think the right? benefit of the whatnot auction is the the fact that you're not creating listings, right? I think that's where but you still are a little bit. Like you still either you're doing it on the spot, right, or you're doing it beforehand, right? And so I, I'm I'm beginning to lean more on what is selling whatnot are is the personality of the people. Right. Unless you have like really good items that you bought for really cheap, you know, it's gonna be the pull of, of, of your audience. So I I I know I had said in the first, I think it's the first episode about reselling three twenty twenty-three that I was gonna do a whatnot auction each week. It's not gonna happen. I it just it's not, it just wasn't worth my time. Just what I just I I look I thought about it for a good half hour and I thought you know what I might as well if I'm really trying to move inventory and here's the thing I also didn't want to sell stuff that I'm not sure about how it's going to resell like if if you're coming to my whatnot auctions know that you're buying for yourself or that maybe you know something that I don't know that these items are going to sell for more and I'm telling you when we sold that goat skin jacket yeah I know we sold it for like seventy it's worth like four five hundred maybe more so. Do know that, and I've said this before, I've said this a hundred times, most resellers that are selling on whatnot are reselling because either A, they got a really low cost, like they got it at the bins where they have a special deal with a wholesaler, or they're trying to offload inventory that they can't get rid of themselves. So be careful. Now, Mike and I will be doing whatnot auctions if we do some eBay store buyouts again, which I do think is going to happen. Uh, I, I think in the next few months, we'll probably buy out another store and we'll probably do a whatnot. That was fun. That I really enjoyed. So stay tuned for that. All right. Just a. Uh, you know what? I'm not going to. I'm I, a real quick story. I, okay, let me read a paragraph from this buyer and you're going to know where it's going to go. And I'm just going to end it there. So I sold the jacket. And look, look at this length, length of this first message. Look at this other message. Okay. That's, that's a lot. We had a whole mini soda on this. So I'm not, I don't want to delve into this, but said, Hey, Londo, the parka. Oh, I hate it when eBay does that. The parka, or it scrolls up when it shouldn't. The parka arrived about an hour ago. The mailing label on your description said I paid for two-day priority mail, which turned out to be a six-day and actually slower than if you had sent it ground. Thus, I'm requesting a refund for the cost of the two-day priority since I did not receive it the day I paid for. Which, what? No, I, I, priority it does not get a ship to the East Coast from California in two days. Okay? So the message doesn't stop there. Unfortunately, that's not the worst. Despite your condition description that there were no rips and no holes, the parka or the parks in this person's case does in fact have a half inch rip in the upper right chest area and a small hole in the flap. I can send pics if you need them. That's kind of all right. Thanks. I'm not so much worried about the small flap hole, but the rip in the chest will have to be professionally repaired to keep it from tearing any further down. Down is tricky. Uh, it to work with. So I don't know how much it will cost if even I can get it repaired. I would like our transaction to end up a win-win situation. What solutions do you offer to avoid a return with a full refund? 
<laughs> and all I said is, hey, thanks for reaching out. Unfortunately, I do full return refunds as I, I only do full return refunds as I use them as opportunities to train. If missed, below is a link. Orlando. Then they said, okay, where did I start the process for a re- full refund? I, uh, do, you know, uh, do you know who pays for the shipping? I'm like, return is covered by us. Thank you. Ghost. They haven't returned it? Nope. All right. Hasn't messaged me, haven't said anything. And what I'm telling you is silent treatment is the best option. People that do multiple paragraph, they, they're, they're, they're fishing. They're fishing. They're seeing what they can get. This person was trying to get a partial refund. Uh, you know, win-win. It's not a win. If I'm giving you a partial refund on something I know was good, that's a loss to me, not a win. And so always be careful out there. Have a return policy because I'm telling you a return policy, I would say 99% of the time works in your favor than against you. All right. Hey, before we get into our reseller topics, if you haven't jumped on over into uh, our Patreon to say, you know, to just say a thank you or just support, we always appreciate it. Uh, you know, Mike and I were talking about this before the podcast, how our, our stages in life are just crazy right now. Uh, yeah. Even recording a podcast, you know, it takes a lot of time from our families and, and from reselling. And, and uh, you know, Mike and Mike and I have, have always said, man, it, it, what would we be able to do if we had the time? to just step away from everything and just focus on content, drop YouTube videos every week outside of the podcast and everything. And we've tried, but just life is too hectic. But those of you that support us on Patreon, help us, allow us to continue creating content. So if you haven't yet, go to patreon.com slash Pierce of Podcast or the link below just for $5.55 a month. uh, You're able to support our uh, our Discord, our Patreon, our podcast, and help us keep moving. And along with that, there's the bonus of jumping on the Discord, which... I love the Discord discussions lately. It's been really good. Uh, just about, you know, how to source. Here's an item. I'm trying to figure this out. What's the best way to ship? Where do I find this? It's just, it's been really good. Mm. Right. And I'm, even if you're a lurker, you're going to learn. Mm. Right. Because there's, there's so much information coming through that Discord for just $5.55 a month. It's definitely, I would say, not even a deal. It's a steal. So jump on over and help us out. And if you haven't followed us on social media, we are Pure Hustle Podcast on all platforms except for Twitter. We are Pure Hustle Cast. If you haven't given us a call yet, you can always give us a call 619-738-1170. That's 619-738-1170. Or shoot us an email at purehustlepodcast at gmail.com. And as always, if you're listening to the podcast and you haven't caught us on YouTube, just jump on over, subscribe, and hit that like button and that bell notification to be notified whenever we drop episodes outside of the podcast. And as always, grateful for all the Apple iTunes review. It keeps us a top reselling podcast out there. So if you haven't yet and you enjoy the podcast, jump on over, throw in that five stars, do a quick write-up of what, what you enjoy, and it definitely helps us in that algorithm. Yeah. All right, we got some some good stuff. You stuck with us this far. We got some good stuff to talk about here. We've learned some things from an eBay call. eBay's two-year history. Gen Zs are into flip phones. And Amazon laying off another 18,000 employees. All of this and more on Reseller Topics. All right, so this was... I called it Topics. Ugh. Uh, Reseller News. So Ugh. did you get did you get the same message I got? That eBay wanted to schedule an appointment with me to discuss my store. No. That, it was like out of the blue. Hmm. And maybe because my sales weren't great. I, I don't know why, what happened. Is that getting called into the principal's office? It, I don't know what it was. But, it, I, you know, I, I, I got the offer and it was basically I scheduled an appointment with uh, somebody who works with eBay. 
And the, it was more eBay ads. They wanted to talk about promoted listings and so on. But I figured, what do I get? What do I lose? Right. And, and my experience with eBay has generally been is that we know more about eBay than the e- people that work for eBay. That, that's generally been the case. We disagree. Yeah, we definitely know more about the reselling yes, experience the, of it. The yeah. main function of eBay. Yeah, but 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 not eBay. That'd be like saying like customers at Starbucks know more about Starbucks than like the operators of Starbucks. No, no, like, no, no, no. Eh. But but we know more about the, yeah, the reselling component, which right. is the, the what eBay is about. Yeah. Right? I get what you're saying. I'm picking up what you're putting down. All right, all right. I'm just being difficult. But I'm always willing to learn. As you get older in life, as no matter what, you you should never turn away an opportunity to learn. And even if it just reinforces what you already know. All right. What'd you learn? So, okay, sorry. So a few things here. Uh, the, the, what was interesting was we're going through my store and they're like, oh, it's a really good listing. Oh, you already do promoted listings? Oh, that's great that you do free returns. Like it was kind of, they couldn't find anything to help me. And so I was like, like yeah, say it. <laughs> say this is the best role you've ever seen. No, she did. She did say out of most resellers, you're probably one of the most knowledgeable we've come across. Which is interesting because I don't know what led them to call me, but I'm thankful. So here's some things that I did gain, okay, from this, which was, it was worth it. It was totally worth it. And they're going to do a follow-up phone call with me to see how my store is doing in a couple of weeks. So I, this is primo service, okay? Now, number one, I asked them about promoted listings. You know, is it necessary? Like, because a lot of people on YouTube say, I don't sell in a certain, you know, category that's highly competitive. And so I don't need promoted listings. And so this individual obviously worked for eBay ads, but they said promoted listings are necessary, uh, but not necessarily promoted listings advanced, which is a pay-per-click. So what pay-per-click is, is people, you pay for the amount of times that somebody clicks on your item, even if it doesn't sell. So you're trying to promote a highly sought out, a sought out item uh, to make that quick sale. Promoted listings uh, standard is, you know, it just puts it at the top of the search, right? And the higher the percentage, the more chances that yours is going to be one of the first items on that search. So, I, you know, she checked my items and I thought I was at 2% across the board. I'm at 4%. I don't know when I changed that. Ooh. Maybe it was a, I don't know, late evening. And no wonder sales are coming in better for you. <laughs> I don't know what it was. And, and, but here, here's my question. So, I said, listen, I sell unique secondary items. So what I mean is, do I need to have promoted listings higher if I'm selling a rain spooner shirt? But most people that are looking for a rain spooner shirt, they're not just going to put in rain spooner shirt. They're going to put in rain spooner San Francisco Giants, or they're going to put in rain spooner Dolphins, or they're going to put in uh, rain spooner uh, Miki Maka, whatever it is. And, and they agree with me that no, you don't have to have a higher promotional, you know, standard rate if you're selling items that are very niche that people are looking for, but you still need to do promoted listings. So I was like, all right, so that, that, that we knew. Okay. Uh, promo- promoted standards still good, but I needed a higher rate of selling unique items, which I just said. The third thing was items do become stale though. So this has changed from my initial conversation and people in the discord were having a conversation about this, which I thought was great. Items do become stale, even if they're promoted, if they do not sell within 90 days and it begins to weigh down the store. I think this is, this is probably like the key takeaway of it. Cause I would say 
I mean, what would it hurt in your, I mean, unless you've got thousands of listings, I think I'm going to go through and find anything that's over 90 days and into the listing, sell similar, but change something. Cause sometimes I feel well, like that was the next thing I was going to tell you. Right. But like, <laughs> I, I feel like eBay, eBay um, knows if you just kind of are trying to fake it and you're just like relisting the same thing and nothing changes, you're just kind of refreshing so, the listing. So let me, let me, let me create a distinction between the two. So there's relisting an item and there's sell similar an item, right? They're different. So we've shared this, but this was reinforced. So what they said is if you relist an item, it, it's still a stagnant item. Because what you're doing is you're relisting, but all the history That's of what it, saying. You're refreshing. Yeah, it, the amount of re, the amount of impressions. So that, that means the amount of time somebody's looked at an item or clicked on it is staying with you. But if you end the list and you do so similar, it is brand new. It, it's as if you were listing items. But the the so I think that helps in in one way because if it if your store is stale, that might help get things moving again. It might get your item back up to the top, but if it's an item that has sat for more than 90 days and hasn't sold, then there's potentially something wrong with your listing, like, or the, there's not a demand for it. So I, I would say probably the, to get the best of both worlds on this is to do the, the end listing sell similar, because then you're getting that benefit of, of it almost as if it's a new listing, but no, it's like your you, you, the way she said it is as if you just were listing brand new items. Fair enough. But even so still, if, uh, if you don't change anything, though, if, you, if maybe it's your description, maybe it's yeah, yeah, your. Yeah. But if nothing else, the price, right? Like your price probably needs to come down. Yeah, your price, your your pictures, you may need a return policy. I mean, she had said she's like, I said, well, is price the main thing? She's like, no, it's not price. Like it, it could be that you don't offer returns. It could be that you don't offer free returns. It could be that you're not using a white image. She was very big on a lot of people look for items via Google. And if you don't have a white background, Google will not pick up your item. It'll reject it. Yeah. I, I mean, I think those are like, those are all good things that like, but I guess the point I'm trying to make is if for instance, if I've got a, 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 a snow globe on the table and I'm like, I've got a snow globe for sale and I'm trying to get someone to buy it mm -hmm. and 90 days has gone by and I've got this snow globe and I've been trying to sell it. And I'm like, all right, maybe I need to try a different one. I take it off the table then I put it back on the table and I say, I've got a, a new snow globe to sell. Like if nothing has changed, the demand isn't there. Like, so something like maybe well, no, the way, like true. the description or the price, like something other than just really like, I think you get half the benefit from, from sell similar because you get it's it's back in your yeah. store isn't stale but i think if you really want it to move and not st sit stagnant for another 90 days something's got to change no i agree with you the, the only thing is that's different is i think you're leading to that the price is going to sell it but the difference being is that you're not an algorithm no but if you've so, got everything else but i'm saying all things the same like i've got the right pictures it's white background i've got all of the the item specific yes if it's there. the last thing if it's the last thing yeah price price is a good thing but she did say that your item will not end up on the first page uh, if you don't have, you know, it's like the, the, the items that have returns, the items that have, uh, you know, white background, the items that are priced competitively, uh, those that are top rated sellers, uh, top rated seller plus, those are going to always be the ones that the algorithm gives priority to. And, and if they have conversion, if they have good sell through rate of their items. So I thought that was great. Now, the in, so it was interesting because I even said, so let's say somebody can't list, right? Because they get busy. They're caught up in the day is doing the end listing. So similar to the same thing as listing. And the, the consensus was yes. So I thought that was interesting. 
So if you're ever stuck and you haven't listed in a day, you know, find the items that you need to end and do so somewhere. Now, let me tell you guys how to find those items. And this is interesting. So there's the listing quality report. And we haven't talked about that much on the podcast because I just haven't, I personally haven't felt the need to, because I, I, I'm not a big fan of having people go backwards in their reselling and go through all their listings and spend all the time. I'm more of like, sell that stuff, find better quality items and do better listings and move forward. So there's different perspectives, but the listing quality report is going away. And, and I said, it's interesting. You're pushing me to a report that is kind of like the listing quality report, but that thing's going to be gone. They're like, yeah, we're really sad that eBay's doing away with it. But she found me another report that should help you. So if you go to eBay, okay, and you go to the marketing and you go to the promotions and you go to your run promotion. So let's say you already have it 4% across the board like I do, right? On that promotion, you click it and it'll say generate report. You click on that generate report, it'll have every single item that you're promoting, and then you can look at the impressions. And her suggestion was anything, for me at least, that has anything that is less than 100 or 200 impressions, those are the items that you need to end and do so similar. So Not if they have too many, because what if it's been something that's been there for a year and it's got a thousand impressions? No, she said, she just said the lower items. Like, don't, she didn't say no. She said, you need to prioritize the ones with less impressions because the ones with a lot of impressions, they're not hurting as much as the ones that have hardly any impressions. Well, fair enough. That makes sense. And so, you know, that's something I'm going to start doing. And again, it depends how big your store is. My store is massive. So, how much time am I going to spend looking through all the impressions? I don't know. I may, I may you do could it sort for, it. Was that you just sort it? You could sort it. Yeah, it's an yeah. Excel spreadsheet. Yeah, so you just sort it. You just you do anything over ninety days, and then you go impressions, and then you just you could even easily set up a formula where it's like if it's under a hundred, make it turn red. If it's under two hundred, make it turn yellow. If it's under three hundred, make it turn green. And then you just you know like these are the ones I need to. I know, but then having to find those items, you have to go and you have to search it. Then you have to delist it. Where the way I do it is, let's say I want to move my Hilo Hattie Hawaiian shirt. I'll just type in Hilo Hattie. I'll have like forty of them, and I'll just end end all of those. And so somewhere all of those, and that's that's like within five minutes I can get it done instead of each individual item. Does that make sense? Like it takes a lot more time to go on the impressions report than find that item on eBay and then. And the listing on that one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it probably makes sense. So I'm just, and so anyways, I thought that was really helpful. The impressions report was, I mean, I've heard it before, but the fact that there's somebody from eBay saying this is how to do it uh, was, uh, it was good. It was good. So hopefully that helps some of you out there. Yeah. And uh, this other thing was interesting. Um, <laughs> I, I know we all know this, maybe I'm last to it, but I sold something today. And I couldn't find it. I'm like, what is this thing? I have um, I have 20 in-home totes and I had to go through every single one of those totes and I couldn't find it. So I'm like, I wonder if it's sold earlier. And the beauty of it is, I don't know if you know this, but eBay has a two-year history now. So on eBay, I was able to go, oh, hey, I sold this back in July. That's why I don't have it anymore. Mm. So if you ever lost an item and you want to make sure that it's sold now, you can go back two years. So I thought that was great. Um, I, we're going super over. So a couple of things. Um, I want to share this because there's a lot of discussion on Discord about uh, the Lucid program. So Lucid program is basically new ways of packaging if you want to sell things through Germany and so on. Uh, and that's being required. But 
there's new information that came out about the international program. And this came from a discussion board on eBay and it came from an eBay rep. And so people are saying, Hey, do I need to do this special packing? Do I need to get certified with Europe? Do I, do I need to do all this? And they said, no. So let me read with, let me read to you uh, what was stated by eBay. So, Hey, so-and-so, this is a person that was having a discussion with eBay. That's a great question. As part of eBay international shipping, we will assume all responsibilities associated with the export of your item. This means eBay will be responsible for filing all documentation and complying with U.S. export regulations on your behalf. We'll also be covering sellers from uh, sellers on the Germany Packaging Act, so sellers will not be required to provide a Lucid ID. I also ran this question by one of our colleagues on the shipping team, and here was their response. The recycling packaging fees are related to the Germany Packaging Act, so it is correct that EIS handles those. So EIS is being eBay's new international shipping. The seller is not responsible for anything that happens or is required after proper delivery to the shipping hub. So I know there, there's a lot of, I mean, I've seen YouTube videos about this and so on. So according to eBay, you don't have to worry about it as long as you do global shipping or international standard shipping or and eBay international shipping. Now, the other thing that I thought was fascinating, we've talked about this before. The reason why I'm not jumping into the new eBay international shipping is because there's a dollar limit on the items that will be sold via that program. And it was 150. And then I talked to an eBay rep and they said, oh, we're expanding. But then on the same board, uh, somebody asked any news on when the $500 limit will start. It was supposed to start in January, this January. Granted, the month's uh, not over yet, but correct information on the help page it would be nice. eBay rep responded uh, by saying, uh, I got it right here. We're discussing the new eBay international shipping. Uh, as, as of this moment, uh, it is not is not at a the limit has not gone up to the 500 we're still working on that process i'm just summarizing and so basically they said they're not there yet let me get the direct language uh let me see give me two seconds let me scroll here there's so much information on this page so if i don't find it i don't find it uh but yes yeah, basically that there's still the 150 dollar limit some countries do have a 500 dollar limit so basically saying, Hey, not everybody needs to jump on board, say, uh, onto that program. So this is, again, if you're looking to, you're like, Hey, I want to get into the eBay international shipping program. I would just wait because on global shipping, I've had all my items pretty much that, you know, sell really well, be over that $150. And I would hate for sellers to lose that ability to make those good sales because they jumped on over. So that's just an FYI. All right. All right. Do you, do you want to talk real quick about Gen Z and flip phones? Yeah, I mean, it's just kind of an interesting thing. Um, I don't know how much of it will be specifically a, a bolo, but I think it might end up becoming a bolo. Uh, so there is a, a big push for Gen Z um, or many people in Gen Z who are kind of going back to like vintage analog style life of things. Part of it's trendy. Some of it I think is, is actually good and, and maybe more serious, but it's things like record players, right? Or typewriters and now flip phones. And one of the reasons why these things are becoming more popular is I think some in the Gen Z, even millennials are kind of recognizing like, Hey, even though technology is super useful and powerful, it's also controlling my life. And I think a mm -hmm. lot of them, because for us, I think people in our age bracket, 
even us can be, we can be like overwhelmed with social media and technology and it can kind of consume our lives. But imagine growing up and from the time you were, you know, three years old, you've had a tablet in your face and you've always just been consuming YouTube videos and social media and you've known nothing else your entire school. For some of them, they're starting to realize like it's controlling their lives. Like it is the addiction. It is the thing. And so uh, one of the articles that um, I shared in our discord that was kind of going around is that a lot of Gen Zers are doing things, some of them even where they'll use their smartphone for certain parts of the day. And then when they're like just going out with friends or doing stuff, they take just their flip phone. Mm. And the idea is I can get a phone call if I need it. I can text somebody if I need to, but it's not as like intense of a text messaging thing. And there's even a camera as opposed to I'm sitting, hanging out They're with my friends. actually sending pictures from those terrible cameras to each other. Yeah. Well, and that's the other thing too, <laughs> is there's one aspect of it of like people are, are doing this because like, Hey, like I, I just want to kind of go back to some normal, right? Like yeah. some old school. And then there's the, the trendiness of it. Like, look, I use, I use a flip phone and I use flip phone pictures or so there is that element. But anyways, all that to be said, there's a whole lot, I think involved in this trend. But I think there will be some, I mean, if you're hanging out with a bunch of your friends and you're all, I don't know, anywhere from 16 to 22 and you're hanging out and you're doing the flip phone thing and somebody's got the brand new flip phones that have come out because there's companies now that are selling flip phones again, like the brand new, you get brand new flip phones, but how much cooler are you if you're like, I've got like a a two my vintage Samsung, I've I've got a 2003 Nokia flip, I've got a, I've got a 2007 razor, and and it almost becomes like, like how, who's got the most unique because think about all of the stuff that they're into with like band shirts and stuff like that is they want unique. And so, Yeah. yeah, I can have the new phone that AT&T is putting out that's a flip phone, but it's basically just, you know, everybody has it. I want like, what if I, what, I'm going to have the phone like my, my dad had. Well, well, here's the, here's the other reason too. So it's funny cause you're talking about like, it's, it's a trendy thing. And I, they, they quoted a Gen Zer so here. I, I feel so old saying that, but they said, I think people are going to go out more and more with flip phones just because this is from a CNN article. They're going to go out more and more with flip phones just because it's so fun and nostalgic and honestly, a vibe. <laughs> it's so Gen Z. Now, here's the other one. This is to think overall. Okay. So when you're thinking about, and this is kind of like a bolo, when you're thinking about flip phones, right? The reason a lot of people like flip phones too is the security, right? Basically, are these devices, these smartphones, they're, they're spying on all of us. Like it, the reality is, it's tracking everywhere we're going. It knows where we're spending money. Uh, now with AI models, there's predictability about what ads to show to people. I mean, you know, people are all the time getting their clouds, getting hacked. People are losing their crypto keys. Like it's, it's crazy, right? So uh, the CNN article, the, the article is called, if you want to read it over, Gen Z has a new vintage technology to obsess over. And in it, they talk about the idea of security. They say maybe one reason Gen Z yearns for the 90s and 2000s era is the privacy and the absence of carefully curated images. It's social media at its most casual. Photo dumps with candid pictures and Be Real, which is one of the most popular social media apps now again, uh, which you only like post once a day. And it has to be like a real post that asks its users once a day to take a real-time selfie and post it within uh, two minutes. Never even heard of that. Yeah, no, it's it was huge. Really? It was like number one at one time in the market. I looked it's into just a selfie. Like, let me take a selfie. Well, it's oh something that gosh. you're doing. Like, just something that you're doing. It just once a day. 
That's it. Even so, still, like, look, we're not that obsessed with ourselves. You're only going to obsess over yourself once a day. Who can do it best? I, I listen. I don't know. <laughs> I know Gary Vee was pushing it like years ago, and now it became a reality. So now the other thing is, for example, I don't know if you guys know, but Polaroid is making more of a comeback, and the reason being is people, whatever reason, they don't want their pictures to end up on the cloud. They don't. They don't want it to end up on the internet. And so if you take a Polaroid picture, that's it. There's just that one Polaroid picture that came out and the only person that has access to it is you, right? Unless you misplace it or you lose it. So that's another thing. So think about devices like that. Somebody on our Discord had mentioned voice recorders. And I'm like, why are voice recorders worth so much money? Because my cell phone can do a voice recording. Yeah, We talked about it right? last episode. Yeah. Right? And, and the idea is it's, it's security, yeah. right? Like no one else has access to information. Let's say you're doing interviews for journalism or you're, you know, you're on investigation or whatever it is, right. There's that security that that's provided. I think so somebody even in our YouTube channel uh, comment made that, that same kind of comment on there. So oh, really, yeah. So that, that goes to show like, if you haven't been dropping comments below, please do so. Cause you guys know a whole lot more about a lot of things than we do. Right. So we might be talking about something and you're like, yeah, you know a little bit about this Gen Z phone thing, but let me tell you, I've sold these types of models and these are selling yeah. good, or here's where you can pick them up. Like, Put those comments in. You guys know this stuff. A lot of these things better than we do. Um, so use those comments. It's very helpful. All right. So keep an eye. That's a, that's a bolo. Now, the last thing I want to just say, and we'll move quick. So Amazon today, when we're recording this episode, laid off another 18,000 employees. The only reason I bring this up is just be careful out there. Like we've been saying for a long time, be, you know, Amazon arbitrage and the Amazon numbers haven't been great. Okay. I, I do believe that this is going to be the year where the second day market definitely rises. I don't know when that's going to be. It could be early 2024, but you know, every, everything I've read about recessions and everything going on. And we are again, we have been in a recession. I will argue that to my dying day. And we are supposed to be going into a recession and people are like, Oh, the jobs market is strong, but the job market is always the last thing to fall off in a recession. Once we found things really get interesting. And so, you know, just be careful. Make sure you're watching your bottom line and reselling. Make sure you're sourcing things that you know you'll move and uh, keep stacking that cash because I think there's going to be some great opportunities uh, around the corner. Yeah. All right. That ends our reseller topics. All right. Time for the moment you've all been waiting for. Bolo. 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 What's your bolo? Yeah. What's your bolo? Uh, chicken eggs. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, I, th have you seen those videos where they play the narcos music uh -uh. and it's like people selling eggs? Oh, uh, somebody's going to listen to this like three years from now. I'm like, what are you talking about? Chicken I know. Eggs? Uh, so, okay. So not chicken eggs. Um, but okay. So mine is, um, being that estate sales have been a little bit more successful than garage sales for me recently. And even looking at thrift stores, um, I, I don't want to get too heavily into China, like fine China and things like that, because I've had some success. Sometimes it's not worth it, but I've learned a couple of brands uh, recently and I've had some success with some of these. Uh, so three brands that, um, well, I'll just give you two brands, two brands that I've, I've, I've been successful. One, I'm like, yeah, I'm You're not You're going to kill the market, Mike. Uh, but uh, Rosenthal is um, a German made China brand and they make really good porcelain. They also have like drinkware that they make. And the nice thing is that they all have their logos on the bottom of their prints. They're pretty easy to tell if it's from them. It should say Germany. It might not, but it'll at least say Rosenthal. Uh, and then they have different floral prints and you can kind of see like there's some differences between the uh, designers. Like some of them are going to be, uh, did you sell one? 
Is that what you're showing me? Are you, oh, an offer on what? $420. Nice. Nice. Um, Sorry. We'll, we'll talk about that in a second. Time so, to celebrate. Um, so yeah, so the Rosenthal can be really good. And then also Russell Wright. Uh, they have uh, Iroquois, um, like I think is the, the style that it's called, uh, pottery and, and fine china. Anyways, one of the things I've realized with this, I, one of the mistakes I've made with China in the past is I've tried to sell it um, like kind of as sets, uh, especially if you've got like a complete set of, of it. But I've found that you're going to sell quicker and for a higher profit if you break it into pieces mm -hmm. because people are looking for replacements far more often than they're looking to buy an entire set. Because unless somebody's like, I need the uh, the mid-century modern by this designer of the the uh Rosenthal that has this print and they've somehow saw it somewhere and they want that whole set. Usually it's because they already have that set and something broke and they're replacing it. So you're more likely to sell. And I've had a lot more success recently selling individual pieces. So the bolo and the tip is Rosenthal and Russell Wright. Um, just look up the logos are pretty easy to find. Uh, so when you're at thrift stores and you're at estate sales, just look at the bottom of plates, look at the bottom. If you see this, it's probably going to be profitable and they are, um, they sell much better in individuals, which is nice too when you're buying because if you don't have a complete set, you can often negotiate a little bit better. Mm -hmm. You're at a, an estate sale and you're like, well, there's actually only you know three plates here or there's only seven instead of the eight and you're missing a, a cup also. or So you can tend to negotiate a little bit better knowing that it's not going to matter because you're breaking it up anyways. Nice. Yeah. What about you? I, again, I got to tell you with the China though, just make sure you have all the packing material before. Yeah. Right. Like if you already have it and already have the material, because. But that's what most things, though. I mean, like. No, but especially paper, with China, though. Like, paper and bubble wrap. I mean. Yeah, but you got to float it. And, and there's actually like special stuff you can use that makes it easier. But like, if you're only selling, if you're only selling like a plate or a cup, it's way easier. I think the, the hard part with the, the shipping China. Yeah, it's been a nightmare when I've shipped like I'm shipping eight plates and eight bowls yeah. and eight cups and I'm trying to get it all in one box. Oh. That's terrible. But if you're selling one cup or one plate or one bowl, that's easy. I have a bunch of China sitting on a shelf that I have not touched. Mm. I bought it like two years ago. I think I dropped like 150. You should eat one. off of it. You should yeah. just be like, I, when I eat my cereal <laughs> in the morning, the I'm like <laughs> light scratch marks from dining. I mean, if you're not using the China, what's the point? That is true. That is true. That is true. No. So what I was showing Mike, I got a super sweet offer on a, on a slot car. And uh, we're just going to make that the bolo. Nice. So uh, it was, yeah, it was, yeah, it was a nice offer, like 400 bucks. So you can't beat that. Now, here's the thing with slot cars. The reason I'm bringing it up, not just because of the sale, but because I didn't like my other bolo. So I'm just going to use this bolo is that I'm finding that they're becoming more scarce. Like there was a time five is more scarce proper grammar. Yeah. There was a time five years ago where you would find YouTube videos and people were like, oh, I sold this slot car over here and I sold this slot car over here. And I don't see those anymore. When I'm sourcing, I hardly ever see slot cars. And so if you see one, always it's always worth a look up because, you know, you never, you, you know, it might be a more modern one. But if you can find one that has like the manual and has the box and has everything with it. It's definitely worth a lookup. And and generally, even if you could just buy the box, I'd buy the box. Because, for example, when I picked up all those Ninja Turtles items, the boxes were worth more 
than the Ninja Turtle item itself. Now, it's a little different than the slot car, but the reason people are looking for slot cars is because they're just, they're non-existent anymore. Okay. And especially in good shape, because remember, these are items that people played with as kids. And so they probably got destroyed. Now, luckily mine was a super clean one and it had the manual and it had everything. Uh, so it's all good to go. But definitely keep an eye. If you're wondering what a slot car looks looks like, just go to eBay, you know, type in vintage slot car. And actually, let, let me let me just do that live. Let's just see what ha what comes up for uh, or sold for vintage slot cars. But they generally there there's a whole. You know, this makes very riveting podcast. Does it? But look, even right here, look at look at these sales. Like two for fifty six bucks, uh, just random pizza for three hundred. Another one for fifty bucks. One for her three hundred and fifty dollars. So look for AMT is one brand. AFX is another brand. I've sold some AFX before, uh, and so those are the two ones. Aurora is another one uh, that you want to look for. I mean, look at these comps. They're not bad. Yeah. Right. I mean, just the shells of some of them. So keep an eye out for vintage slot cars. Nice. So, all right. Um, what are you looking forward to? Hopefully some garage sales. I'll keep it simple. <laughs> I just like to do some garage sales and uh, uh, um, get to meet my uh, new baby. Hopefully soon, maybe before the next update episode, I might have a, I might have, there might be another, another addition to the pure hustle team. Yeah, there were, there was no children when we started the podcast for you. I think I, I think there was one. No, are you sure? I'm hundred percent sure. No. How old is your son? He's he's a little over five. I think he was only a couple months old. No way. I think so. Really? Yeah. I don't. Okay, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I think he was like four months old when we started the podcast. But yeah, so it's a. Uh, Definitely the, the I just remember how much more grown. free time we had. Oh yeah, man. We had so much free Life time. Life was different. I mean, remember hanging out in the studio for hours. I mean, yeah. it was a different time. Hey, uh, okay, anything else you're looking forward to? Nope. I mean, that's pretty important stuff. It's like a big thing. Yeah, yeah. you know, kind of. Yeah. So what about you? <laughs> not as exciting as yours. So reseller genie reached out to us a few months back, but I we I didn't want to do anything with reseller genie until I tested their product, right? Because I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to sell anything like, you know, I don't want to put an affiliate link unless I know an item is good. And so I want to do reseller genie. So I'm going to, I, and, and you want to try it out. I am going to try it so out. You're giving it free, um, free advertising right now before you even try it. Yes. Because I think it's going to be good. And actually they've done a lot in even the last year. Like I was looking at their importing of eBay items and they actually have an inventory tracker. They, it's, it's kind of like GoDaddy, but better mm. as, as, as that's the way I see it. Cause it, the, the two people in charge of it, one's a reseller and one's an accountant. That's a great team. So I'm going to, I'm going to hop onto reseller genie because taxes are coming up and it's kind of weird. I have, uh, all this information in GoDaddy, and then in June, it's all in, on on uh, QuickBooks, and I don't even know what's going on in my QuickBooks, and so I'm just gonna do Reseller Genie, and hopefully that will be the magic bullet, the silver lining I need to improve my business. Because there's a lot of good things. It shows you sell through rate, it it tracks your inventory, how long you've had an item. Like instead of having to look all that up, it's all on there for you. So yeah, I guess I'm kind of advertising for them. So if you're listening to Reseller Genie, uh, reach out to us one more time uh, and uh, we'll, we'll give you some feedback, some honest, legit feedback. You know, hopefully it'll be like, uh, have you watched that guy on uh, TikTok? There's a guy 
that does food reviews. He does like f- real food reviews no, in I Vegas. Don't, I don't have TikTok. Okay. So I, I, on my burner account, <laughs> I, I just have these random channels. And so this guy like will go to a restaurant and he'll buy the food and he'll eat it. And if it's a good review, that place gets destroyed the next day. Like thousands of people show up. And I'm hoping that's what will happen if Reseller Genie is a great product. So yeah, all, all 10 of you listening right now will be, <laughs> be jumping over there. <laughs> and just like you, I'm getting back to uh, garage sales and uh, just I want to continue scaling. Nice. I, I think 2023, if we can, you know, play it right, it's going to be the year to scale. And, and when this economy rebounds, whether it be next year or a decade, we're going to be in a good place. <laughs> that being said, make sure to be real, be relevant and be reselling late. Peace.